I mean, we would have done well. Yeah, no, I, I don't think. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Made that mistake of you charge the card. They have a $10 minimum. You have to get 10 gin drinks, you know, that whole thing. So I was never like sober. <laughs> yeah. Lots of blackouts on Thursday night. Yeah. I remember yeah. giving a house tour to Jason and I fell down my stairs, I'm pretty sure. Yep. <laughs> then me and Hank slept in the bathtub together in his apartment and Gunny <laughs> Gunny took care Gunny carried us um like out of the bathroom. Like he dragged our fucking limp bodies out of the tub and like laid us on the couch. <laughs> Gunny was such That's a good so guy. Funny. He's a sweetheart. He was so good. Yeah, I appreciate him. Well, should we should we get started? Yeah, let's do it. Should I do the intro? <laughs> I guess. Sure. All right. Hello and welcome to Fake Flowers, a podcast where we ask questions, we provide answers. It's uh, both about nothing and everything. Um, Today we have our usual cast of characters, uh, Connor Callahan calling in from Minneapolis, Jason Sleva calling in from Kansas City, um, Henry Zimmerman will be here, <laughs> I guess. Maybe. Um, sure. And uh, Jonah Glenn calling in from Salt Lake City. Oh. Cool. Um, thanks everyone for being here. Uh, should we get started with that? With that, my favorite icebreaker question that I ask every time: um, What's everyone been listening to lately? <laughs> what's a What's a song or an album that we've that we've been jamming to this week, guys? Still death grips, only death grips. Oh my god, was that real? The TikTok you sent? No. Okay, so <clears throat> I did send Karina a TikTok. And, and it was MC Ride, the lead singer of Death Grips, being pulled over in a Tesla. But I actually went, I analyzed the, the TikTok, I paused it, looked at all the tattoos on this dude. It really does look like MC Ride, but, but it's not him. But it's not him. I Googled, I Googled MC Ride at a concert, <clears throat> and he's got this like Pentecost tattoo on his chest. And I was like analyzing the TikTok, and I was like, nope, not MC Ride. Also got that fully blacked out arm. Yeah, yeah, and he had to sleeve, so it was close, but but not quite. I wish it was MC Red. It'd be hilarious. No, you don't wish it was. You got arrested. <laughs> well, I mean, he got pulled over. There were cops on the TikTok, like looking in the trunk or some shit. Like they were like, yeah, like there was a body in the trunk or, or something. I don't know. Oh wow. Yeah, MC Ride like <laughs> murdered someone and threw him in his trunk. <laughs> I mean, based on his lyrics and his music, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that would be too far from the truth if, if that happened, but I don't know. I feel like he might be kind of soft in real life. Like I yeah, I know he's a painter. <laughs> he like paints things that you can buy online. I've never looked at it much, but yeah. Yeah. It's like slipknot doing like a, a painting session. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, I've been listening to an album by Ramirez called The Player's Manual. Uh, it's super good. It's like kind of sounds like old school 90s hip hop. It's really funky, um, but it's got like a cool twist on it, I guess. Modern and really good. It's cool to bump in your car with the bass up. That's a vibe. I've been uh, been listening to the Velvet Underground. 
their 2015 loaded remastered album this uh girl i've been seeing sent them to me and i kind of vibed with them a little harder than i thought i was going to are they, are they just school? like this yeah i think the album came out in like 1975 what's like radiohead like? before yeah. radiohead became a thing is it the one that's like pink or does it have a banana on it yeah it's this one. Oh yeah yeah that's a good one wait what's your go-to <laughs> music when you're when you're shredding jonah when you're skiing out in uh on the out. I've told you this. It's uh, exclusively Black and Yellow by Wiz Khalifa on repeat <laughs> over and over all day. <laughs> Dang. Now, I don't know. I've been listening to, uh, I've been listening to like a lot of like kind of funky hip hop when I ski. So I, I've got this song, the song Arco that I always start off with. And it's all about like being a Coke dealer that I really like more than I should. No wonder your tibia is broken, dude. <laughs> yeah, I know. Puts me in a mood. Nice. What about you, Karina? Um, I've been listening to Donna Missile a lot. It's pretty good. Hey, I have no idea. I've never heard of Donna Missile before. <clears throat> Although her Tom song has five million views or listens, so. Yeah, I think she's from the UK. I don't know, but she's got a really pretty voice. Good pop music. It's not, you know, it's not the Velvet Underground or the Smith, <laughs> but it's good. Well, Karina, you I have the Cocktoo Twins, right? Yeah, I love the Cocktoo Twins. Early Upstrap. It's a great song. I was uh, I was listening to them a lot the past like few months. It's good to like stare at the ceiling too. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, I put Seth Rogen on here because I saw his new business houseplant launched on Twitter, and I wanted to get um, an, op- an opinion from. I don't smoke weed, but I thought it looked cute, and I love his pottery, and I thought, has anyone else heard of his business? Anyone have any opinions on Seth Rogen and his adorable <laughs> personality and business? Didn't he just come out with, like, a new weed strain of his own? Isn't that what that's about? Or not? I don't know. It's, like, little combinations or something, but I think it's adorable. I love him. Dang. Yeah, I just saw he, like, came out with some new hybrid weed strain that he's i don't know i don't know what he named it but i mean he's just got a, a dank nug like sitting on the, on the front of his face on instagram i think he posted on his instagram i can't remember what it was called but i think that's what she's gotta saw. be good you know what i'm talking about the, i think that's what um karina's talking about i think it's it's called the house plan isn't it that's like his business and it's it's like a weed business so he has like different it's more than one i think like flavors of cannabis and he has this little they little containers and um i just think it's very cute and i'm just really happy for him i feel like he's living his best life he like got into pottery last year and then through quarantine like got really good at it and now he like makes his own like um i don't know stains or whatever and for the pottery and it's just great i don't know I think he's very cool. Looks like it's a I'm bunch right of, I'm right there with you. Bunch of weed accessories, right? I'm like reading an article about it because I didn't hear about this, but yeah. Looks like he's creating a bunch of little home goods for yeah. marijuana users. He's main <clears throat> he's mainstreaming it for sure, which is dope. Yeah. I always <laughs> thought that thought that uh thought that Seth Rogen just has like one of those pure souls he has a child soul and a very successful adult body it just seems like a goof in a good way 
exactly yeah and in the best way possible it's I, I always love when people um are genuinely passionate about something like pottery smoking weed whatever and like that's like his brand and then he made a whole business out of it and it's just like so pure you know doing so, what he loves yeah it's really happy for him anyway we can move on um <laughs> <laughs> i think it's been asked reddit questions here um first one what smell evokes a memory for you what's a nostalgic smell for everyone mm, uh for me like this year in particular it seems like every year i knew this but i didn't really remember it in college but um now that i'm a teacher uh like the smell of like a school on the first day of school before it you know gets filled with kids with disgusting body odor um like always brings me back to like this weird fourth grade first day of school going to a new school and being all scared and walked into a new job and smelled that smell and then i was like oh my god i'm a little boy again and horrified <laughs> of what's gonna what the day's gonna entail are kids still like hosing fucking axe cans like all over the hallways and locker rooms and shit or is that not really a thing anymore um it's a th i know it's a thing with like kids these age but uh it's not really that bad at my school um i've got a really interesting demographic where the majority like i give a lot of like uh aquadigio at my school which is like a bougie cologne that i used oh. to wear um but we have a ton of like ton of kids who are way more mature and old for their for their age um like we deal with a lot of like gang stuff and um i don't know kids being adults at the age of 12 which is interesting mm. too mature to be hosing down axe cans what you're saying they got the aquadigia shit yeah like press i was gonna say that's real and... mature i I wore that as an adult for sure. I've never heard of that. Within the last year, I've probably put that on. But I have. Huh. Uh, Karina, you probably smelled it. It's a it's a pretty common, pretty common like nice cologne in my opinion. It's been ruined for me now though. Are you having school in person? Yeah. Yeah, we've been in person all year, so that's been a it actually like has gone pretty well I think um we've had a lot of kids be online for a variety of different reasons most of the reasons being that like um a lot of like my students don't have access to healthcare or are undocumented so if they were to end up in need of like medical you know attention then it's a it's a very like huge fear point so a lot of those kids chose online school but we still like i have a 30 person class and it like hasn't gone horribly i got covid but i'm also now have both vaccines and my both doses of my vaccine so feeling iffy about the whole thing did you get hella sick on your second shot yeah yeah it got me really good actually i uh I also got, I had a few drinks the night before, so I like thought, you know, because now if I have like four or five drinks, I wake up hungover. Um, so that's really annoying, but I woke up like feeling kind of hungover and I was like, well, you know, this kind of sucks. I skied the whole day the day before. Um, 
got the vaccine, drank a bit. I woke up and I was like, ah, my body's probably just run down. And then by like noon, I was bedridden, just like shaking and sweating with a fever of like 102. I was miserable there for, for a while. Yeah, everyone in their 20s has told me that the second shot has just given them a fever for like 48 hours. I have right. not mm. heard that. Yeah. But I mean, I guess it's better than the actual thing. Yeah, yeah the actual the thing almost like legitimately killed me. Yeah. Jeez. But I mean, did it end like immediately? Like all of a sudden you're just one day where it's like, oh, okay, I actually feel a whole lot better. Or did it yeah, no, come it was... back? No, I mean, it, my fever broke at like 3.30 in the morning. It was the, uh, I, I was just talking about this to a friend. It was a, it was kind of a trip because I like woke up because my fever broke like 3.30 in the morning. I was like, oh, shoot, I feel good again. Like my little sister was flying in that morning and I was like, this is going to be awesome. You know, went and drank a glass of water and then walked back into my bedroom and there was like this dude standing right outside my window, like muttering to himself. And I was like, are you kidding me? I've been in here just like sweating for like 24 hours. And now I have to deal with some strange man outside my window. And he's like muttering to himself. And I had uh, used a little uh, medicinal stuff to get through the day. And so I was like, maybe it's that. Maybe I'm freaking out. So I'm like sitting there like peering yeah. through my window blinds at 3.30 in the morning. That was I just eye contact with this guy. Dude, no, it was just, uh, like, I've really freaked myself out. And then finally, like, kind of, like, walk outside, and I'm like, what the fuck's going on? It's just this belligerent man, like, taking a piss outside my window, trying to find his apartment. <laughs> He's like, well, I just don't know how to get home. I was like, all right, where are you? And, like, he was, like, handing me his phone. He's like, I'm talking to someone. I was like, hey, hello. Like, this dude's, like, peeing outside my apartment. <laughs> and kind of kind of freaked out for a second and um they're like oh my god we lost him like two hours ago where is he and i was like we're and they were like okay cool 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 we'll be there in like 20 minutes and i was like do i stay with him (laughs) (laughs) just put a leash on him like time to what do i do and i was they were like just tell him to sit on the curb and i was like oh okay i was like hey man can they can you sit down and he was like fine I like sat down and I was like, okay, good night. <laughs> like went back inside and just, I don't know, weird. Yeah, it's got to be confusing coming out of like a fever in the middle of the night too. Yeah, I think that's what spooked me the most about it is I kind of thought he was there to like kill me. <laughs> so I'm glad he wasn't. <laughs> that's good, that's good. Yeah, it's good. It wasn't a hallucination or something. The real person. Yeah, the Grim Reaper. Yeah. Wait, did this stem out of the question that what smell evokes a memory for you? Or was that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were talking about of? school. <laughs> and then we were talking about COVID. Oh, that was a train of thought for sure. I think mm-hmm. we, I think Connor and Jonah have answered the question what smell evokes a memory for you? Jason, do you have one? Yeah. I'll keep it short and sweet. So, like, when I was a kid, I, I was playing with some Bionicles, and I think I was eating some fucking mini corn dogs or some shit, and I got ketchup on my Bionicles, and they just, you know, the ketchup just sits there, you know, stale, warm ketchup that dries and shit, it smells like fucking ass, and so, like, you know, a couple a couple of days pass, come back down, play with my Bionicles, and I just get this whiff of this 
fucking nasty stale ketchup and i'll smell that smell to this day and it, nothing nothing triggers it in particular maybe stale i don't know ketchup. There's no, yeah yeah stale ketchup and i'll just smell it and be like oh my god it smells fucking horrible it doesn't make me gag but it uh yeah it just comes out of nowhere it's really weird maybe by a dumpster or something yeah dumpster i mean i can eat ketchup like dip my fries in that bitch but nothing <laughs> It's nothing that specifically triggers the stale ketchup smell. Just be walking down the street and just like, just get fucking hit by a wall of stale ketchup. I thought you were going to say you ate, ate your bionicles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was expecting you to lick the ketchup off of yeah. it, honestly. Yeah, I was shitting bionicles for like the next week. <laughs> Underrated yeah. toy. Oh, for sure. Karina, do you have a smell? Oh, um, whenever I smell like gasoline um mixed with like freshly cut grass so like a lawnmower uh it reminds me of my grandpa because he has like a second garage where he keeps all his toys so like his truck and his four wheelers and stuff and it smells so strongly of just gasoline and freshly cut grass when you walk in there um it's great I love that smell Oh. The American man. <laughs> That's a lot better than stale ketchup for sure. Dang. Oh, um, that and like coconut in Malibu. <laughs> yeah. Any alcohol that you just black out on for sure. That's yeah. Gonna, that's gonna haunt you. Uh, it's a nightmare. Do you guys like going on tangents here? Because that's something I will I can invoke for hours on end. Yeah, we the tangent show. We kind of do like these as prompts, and then we just sort of we just talk about whatever comes up. We love tangents. Okay, can can I say something about Bionicles that's been pissing me off since Sleva brought up Bionicles? Let's hear it. Let's hear it. I so Bionicles used to be my favorite toy. Like, I had a variety of Bionicles when I was like six years old. I was living in McCallsburg, Iowa, because I had you know, I grew up in a town of like three hundred people, and. uh I hate Bionicles to this day because when my parents split, their like last fight was something like started because I didn't finish my milk with dinner. But I remember my mom like sent me in this room and only gave me Bionicles. So I like made these Bionicles. I like threw them against the walls and stuff out of like six-year-old angst. And I saw one of my kids, my students, brought in a Bionicle like the first month of school probably. I literally took it from him. Like snagged the bionicle. I was like, we don't play with these in here. Oh my I'm god. I'm 24 years old. <laughs> I was just like, uh Bionicles, the worst toy ever made. But I do remember these. I never had any, but they're like Transformers. Little Lego Transformer guys. So much better though. The show was the coolest part. Yeah. There was a show. A bionicle. That was bad. It, it was, was kind of like two video game. I played yeah, the PS2 I think it was like a, a, it was like a kid's version of like Alien versus Predator, I think. Oh. Mm-hmm. But like with animated plastic toys. There was like lore behind it. I had a friend that was really into it, and he explained to me all the, like the stories and mythologies and shit about Bionicles. Oh it's my God. very deep. <laughs> that definitely gives me a Transformers vibe because they had the whole like. Mm-hmm. War. Henry! What's up, Hank? 
What up, y'all? Sorry for popping in late. Jonah, what up? How you doing? Chilling, oh, man. Hair's long. Super long. <laughs> oh, <laughs> fantastic! Wow, that's nice. nice. I'm gonna talking about house plans. I'm gonna bick it once we get vaccinated. Uh, what about house plans? I was talking about Seth Rogen's new weed business called House Plant and how adorable it is. And you have a lot of house plants, so. I do. I actually just got some clovers the other day. Great plant. Any four leaf? I was going to say I that. We'll <laughs> I guess we'll see. Um, evidently, that plant was adopted as like a symbol because uh, it represented the Trinity, which is obviously a pretty powerful symbol in Ireland. Um, so if you ever wondered about its association there, it represents the Trinity. So the fourth four-leaf clover is like extra lucky. That's super cool. Connor, are you okay? Oh yeah, I'm good. Um, I just like had a brief moment where I thought I was going to puke, but I'm all good. Uh, I was trying to figure out what was going on. And I remembered yesterday I went to this Russian store with a couple of friends and um one of, my roommate is Russian and he was like, we got to get this, like this fermented wheat drink that I drank as a kid. It's really good. It's basically like beer for kids um, because it has like 1% alcohol. Um, and so we were just drinking a lot of it. It was like a huge bottle. And I think I have like that feeling when you're hungover, except not a hangover, just like my stomach's upset. So, you know, anyway. Long way to say I was drinking a lot of Russian beer for kids. It's such a good beer. Cool, weird Russian thing. I've never yeah. heard of American beer for kids. I think that's Miller Lite, baby. <laughs> now you're right. <laughs> the, the high life. Yeah, kids, kids should drink uh, earlier here. Come on. I mean, they do in like <laughs> North Dakota. <laughs> like Iowa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's Remsen. Shout <laughs> <laughs> out to Remsen, Iowa. Hank, do you mm -hmm. have a smell that evokes a memory for you? Do you have a nostalgic smell you want to tell us about? That's the, we've just started the Ask Reddit questions. That was the first one. Yeah. Um, there was this like flavored coffee that my mom really loved when we were growing up, but it was like special. We never really got it but she had like a coffee group. And so I would sometimes tag along with that coffee group and they'd always go in on a bag of this stuff. And it's called the Colorado Bulldog. I think it's just like a flavored hazelnut coffee. But to this day, if I smell it, I'm like, that's Colorado Bulldog. Like there's no doubt in my mind, like I can just nail it. And I'm not like a big coffee bean guy, but that's something that yeah. evokes memories of going over to this woman, Queen Debbie, that was her name in the friend group and whipping on a pot of coffee. Colorado Bulldog is also a drink. It's just a white Russian with a splash of Coke on top. LOL. So maybe I wonder if it was probably just based on the drink then. Maybe it's not hazelnut. Maybe it's more what you're saying. That sounds Well, that's kind of like what it tastes like. Not, that's what I thought at first. It's actually, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Okay. It like doesn't <laughs> curdle as much as you think it would. <laughs> I'm not really selling it here. <laughs> It doesn't curdle as much as you would think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm also good. basing this completely off one guy who used to come into the bar when I was working a lot, and he would always ask for a Colorado Bulldog. And it took until like the fourth time 
before I realized like, oh, he just means a white Russian with Coca-Cola on top. When I bet it has like different names, like I'm sure you could go into a bar here in Colorado and be like, hey, can I get a Colorado Bulldog? And they're like, what the hell is that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's nothing to do with Colorado. What about, what is a very, what is your very mild superpower? I think I'll go, I can go first on this one. Um, So I recently was talking to some colleagues and realized that I don't sleep very much. I knew this, like in college, I never really slept very much, but uh, like coming out here, I think, you know, I was like, wow, I'm taking, like, I'm going from like being in school, working two jobs, like to like one job, I have a lot more free time. And I realized I, my sleep schedule didn't change at all. And I got this dog that sleeps literally all the time. I mean, look at this guy. <laughs> it's just like he's been dead asleep all morning he's sleeping on his back woke up next to me like he was a human um and I tracked so I tracked my sleep for a couple months and I on average was like in bed for three hours yeah three hours and 54 minutes and asleep for like three hours and 47 minutes but I like that's crazy I'm never never really tired <laughs> so I think I would argue that's a superpower of sorts I think the being asleep for that large of a percentage is kind of the superpower because like I can be in bed for eight hours and it ends up being around like less than seven of actual sleep. Yeah, that's what stood out to me too. It seemed like at least when you're in the bed, you're sleeping for the most part. When I cash out, I'm cashing out. I was pretty proud of that, but also it's like a little alarming. (laughs) As long as you're getting the REM cycle, it's all good, I think. Uh, Who knows, really? I'm not a sleep expert. I, I had a psychologist um, in college who who uh, couldn't sleep at all. What's the word for it? Insomnia. insomnia. Insomnia, yeah. Couldn't sleep at all. And he's like, <clears throat> it's better to just lay there with your eyes closed and not sleep at all than to just like be up all night, just like reading or doing whatever. So as long as you're in the bed and your eyes are shut, even though you're not asleep, it's still like technically better for your brain. Your brain at least like rests more. So. You can actually be more like alert and well rested if you believe you got more sleep. There's been studies that show that too. So I was just saying it's it's quality, not quantity. You know, if you're getting <laughs> almost four hours of like deep, deep restful sleep. That's probably better than the average like eight hour half sleep that a lot of people get. So you're probably fine. That's what I'm saying. I don't, I, like, I don't have a very mild superpower. I mean, I've been juggling. Okay, so like I started juggling. I actually, I know you. Ha- you know my superpower? Yeah, what you is have a very mild superpower. What Anybody have it? any guesses? For a Jason, oh, very mild oh, superpower. I know. Being able to run through the snow with socks on. <laughs> <laughs> Being able to make it all the way to the liquor store with both shoes untied. <laughs> and back. And not trip. Um, being able to make up words, like your made up words are fucking hilarious, and you do it all the time without even trying. Yeah, holy shit, this is great! I didn't even know I had a superpower until you guys told me. You have multiple, apparently. Mm -hmm. You got an abnormal, abnormal ability to change the mood in a room. Oh, true. You always bring up the mood, so ray of sunshine. That's a vibes guy. Wow, God, you guys are so kind. Holy shit! <laughs> I was I was gonna say I had good like hand eye coordination because I fucking hacky sack in like fifth grade, juggled some fucking balls. Nice. <laughs> I, I like your I like yeah I like your guys. Why, why would you good. why would you lie to the audience like that though? 
<laughs> oh, I can juggle. Damn, if I had a video, people could see the video, I'd juggle. Okay, you three, what are your superpowers? Um, I, I don't know how useful it is, but um, synesthesia, it's that thing where if you see like letters or numbers, you like feel a color. Does that make sense? That? Yeah. So I've I've always been good at like memorizing numbers, which I don't know. I don't think that comes in handy, but um if I see like a string of numbers or like like a position of letters on a page, it's kind of like a picture more than it is like seeing text. So describe up. that more. Um okay, so like uh I've always been really weirdly good at knowing people's license plates. And it's because like when I look at it, it kind of like forms this like series of colors in my head. So it's just like a picture. And so like I had a friend who lived in California for like a year and he, he was parking somewhere and had to write his license plate down. And instead of going to his car to check, he just called me and he's like, hey, what's my license plate? And I'm like, oh, it's 101 VZH, which is actually what it was too. I still remember it, but yeah. It's, it's, have you ever like, thought about being a professional sleuth? <laughs> like a Like a detective? Yeah. yeah. Wait, so is, is like the number one always orange and is the number two always like pink when you see a light or is it different? Yeah, it's consistent. Sometimes based on like what they're next to, it'll like change a little bit. But yeah, like a seven is always green and stuff like that. Are you fucking kidding me? That's so bad. Oh, yeah, that's Dude, just... that's not a mild superpower. That's a full on <laughs> fucking superpower. I don't know how useful it is, but it's like an organizational thing at least. That is so interesting. I can't believe that. <laughs> Karina, you're sitting over here like... Three years? I've never... Three or four... I mean, three and a half years? I don't know how long we've been friends, Connor, but that's insane. I never knew that. One of my favorite books as a kid was called A Mango-Shaped Space, and it was about a girl who had synthesia. And I, it's such a good book, and I think that's so cool. I can't believe that. Yeah, I, I had a friend who... His girlfriend had it, too. And so then we just talked about it for a while. And he was like, you guys sound like fucking weirdos right now. <laughs> Stop this. He's absolutely roasting us the whole time. And she's like, yeah, I play piano. I'm like, me too. And she's like, what is like uh, an upper chord E sound like? Or like an upper octave E. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's like this. And yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Is seven green for you too? <laughs> I, I don't think it is. I think everybody has it like a little differently. That's wild. Nice. Wow, that's really, really cool. All right, Hank, can huh. you drop that? No way. <clears throat> I was going to say no something way. like news literacy or some shit like that. Oh, you do have so, that. No, I think that is a real superpower that it most feels people like should it. have. Yeah. yeah, like people will send us emails being like, hey, the story, blah, 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 X, Y, Z, here's my complaint, and I'll just send it back and be like, read it. I'm like, go ahead, <laughs> just like read it. Your point was addressed. So I don't know, man, just knowing that like the majority of folks here in America don't have literacy because of some fucked up issues but it feels like literacy is like a superpower. Yeah, like media literacy. Mm -hmm. Like, There's... yeah, just being able to ascertain like, hmm, I've never seen this website before and their information just says sources say. Who the fuck are those Wait, sources? What are the sources? Yeah, dude, having a critical lens of the things you read, I think mm -hmm. is, um, yeah, that would be a superpower for you. I noticed that for sure. I always feel like I'm wearing a tinfoil hat whenever somebody will like tell me something like that. And I'm like, don't you think someone probably has a monetary interest in you believing that? And they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm just like, there's yeah. like the most things that people tell you is because they want to make money off of something. Like 
there's, there's really no reason for you to see a commercial and think any of it's true. Yeah, interrogating is huge because like people are like freaking out over metal straws, like they're the answer to plastic straws. But industry gave us straws, <laughs> like they're just making a metal now, and they're saying like plastic straws are bad. Buy these metal ones. The metal ones are bad too. Like it's still huge mm. carbon emissions. It's still companies making shitloads of these, sending them all over the country. They're still being thrown away. Metal still sits around. Metal still gets into the ocean, um, but it's just different than plastic. So then you've got some people who are like, oh, I'm only on metal straws now. My favorite part about that whole debate was when Starbucks started that like huge marketing campaign, like we're going strawless. And they started using these lids that are made of plastic that are like four times the amount of plastic as the straws. It's exactly right. It's like, get fucking real. <laughs> get fucking real. Anyways, color numbers was more fun. So that's all I got. Nice. No, I think uh, more useful is media literacy. I will... I'll have a ton of numbers sitting around in my brain doing nothing for my entire life. So I was going to say, what if when you're reading sources, you can start like sensing a, a hue and if it's like the more red it is, the more, uh, like more non, I guess, non-credible the source is. That would be cool. Red I'd corresponds to my anger. And then I just need to punch my computer screen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wonder how that actually works with how you like, how you associate feelings and colors, Connor. Cause like, I think we tend to think of red as like an angry color, but some cultures don't. It more so obscures all that. Like if I see your Iowa sweatshirt and it's like red and yellow, there's also this thing distracting me that's like, yeah, but the I is like a kind of darker gray color. W is kind of brown and like A is red, even though the A is yellow. It's, I don't really, I'm like also paying attention to like, oh, there's a big like white O on your sweatshirt, you know? So that's like what the word Iowa kind of feels like. So I don't know. I think it just makes me worse at that, honestly. Are you colorblind? I'd probably read into stuff like that less. No. Make you colorblind? Does it? So you see both. No, it's it's like a feeling more than a like a sight thing. Like I don't actually see oh. it. It's just like. Like an association yeah. thing. See, that's why it starts to feel. Yeah, it feels weird suddenly. You're like, yeah, I smell colors or whatever. But yeah. It's like your your brain is like highlighting stuff, different colors, so you like remember what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the best description I've heard. It's just like highlighters on text is how it feels. We got a buddy out here who sees music as color, and it's like, well, who was like the first musician that kind of like came out and said that it was Kanye, wasn't it? Maybe. And he's like, that would be like, really here, useful. Here's one. here's music as color, but. This kid is like an incredible pianist and then also can pick up any, really any musical instrument and kind of like pluck it. I guess the first thing I, first time I saw him like play an instrument, we were sitting around a fire and he snagged an acoustic guitar and just started like playing like classical style. And I was like, dude, how long have you been doing that? Like, that's incredible. And he's like, well, I picked it up kind of like last year-ish. He's like, but I can just kind of like feel it. And he's like, and then I kind of like see, like see the colors coming off it. He didn't describe them as colors necessarily is more of like uh variant levels of like temperature so yeah. like the lower the lower the pitch the warmer it was the higher the icier it got yeah i would say that's like the useful version of how my brain works so over under is like over underrated basically so i just have a list of things that i'll say and then we would all say if we think it's over underrated over under nicotine addiction jason goes first <laughs> <laughs> underrated <laughs> that shit rocks 
you know, I've been, I started smoking cigarettes when I was 15 years old. And since I was probably 16, I've been thinking about quitting a nicotine addiction. And I always think like, okay, I'm going to do it. And then I remember, I really just don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) I understand that it's horrible for me. It's giving me cancer actively, but I just don't really want to quit. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same boat here. I did quit for like six months and it was fine. (laughs) Didn't really feel a difference or anything. Um, Actually, when I quit, I had some fucking insane nightmares, a couple of raging headaches. And then that was it. And then I was, you know, (laughs) not addicted to nicotine. (laughs) But then I had like a really stressful day. I was like, fuck, I need to buy a pack of Jewel bottles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be hard. to start dueling. Do you remember that? Senior year of college, I told you not to start, start dueling. And last, your last fucking semester, you started, you were almost free without having started it. And you started your last fucking semester. And now you are addicted two years later. Yeah. Dude, it's so <laughs> You should, okay, there are so many things you can smoke that are not addictive, like that are like, you know, it, it's never good to smoke anything, but you could smoke like lavender, chamomile, mugwort, like all these different like herbs that are like, you know, better oh. for you. And Brain it's like- on some shit right now. You talk about smoking some mugwort? Oh shit. It's like, a, it's like slightly psychedelic, you know, maybe get a little bit oh, high. Oh, definitely high, feel. You know, you got like, a bag of mugwort tea. You gotta, just anything to like, kick the habit of, of smoking something that has nicotine in it you should uh pick up like pipe smoking that's yeah. pretty cool because you don't have to like, inhale that but it still gives you the oral fixation thing did that for a bit yeah i actually i i put my little you know nicotine pen away for a while and then i was moving uh into the apartment i'm in now and i was like okay quitting my little nicotine then found a pack of cigarettes in my uh, camping stuff smoked like half a pack of cigarettes <laughs> i was like yeah, it's still probably better than smelling like my grandpa. Yeah, it's partially just the fixation of just like sucking on something, you know what I'm saying, guys? The oral fixation. <laughs> Hell yeah. Love to suck. Love sucking on stuff. That's what but, I'm saying. Uh, you, could, you could smoke so many other things that aren't as bad for you. So. There's nothing like like a nice summer day, like waking up with the sun and then sitting outside, having a cup of coffee and smoking a cigarette. Amen, dude. There's just nothing like it. It's just different. I've always liked the feeling, but like the after two hits in your mouth just tastes like a ashtray. You're like, fuck. At least for me. I also I probably haven't smoked in like two years. I never was like I don't think I ever bought cigarettes though, to be fair. The fixations come like how Jonah was saying earlier is like when you have something satisfying, the nicotine like supplements it. So you got like wake up, sun's out, you have a nice cup of joe, delicious coffee, and then you, like, want to have the nicotine with it. Or, like, you have a super good meal, you can just cook this awesome pasta dish, fettuccine alfredo, just, and you're like, fuck, dude, now I just want to rip a little nicotine. Like, after you eat, it's always, like, it's, that's, like, when you crave it the most. Do you agree with that, Jonah? No, you just, Karina just looks uh, so pissed. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm legitimately so sad. I'm because yeah. it's so bad for you and I I'm I just like here's what I'll say right because as someone who has not smoked in years I did actually like I don't know I didn't really have a hard quitting process to be fair but um it's much easier to just like stop like one day 
you don't want to wean off you want to like because either way when you don't get it you're gonna have the feeling of wanting it and so if you've had a little bit and then a little bit you're gonna have the exact same withdrawals as if you had done a ton and then stopped the next day so you basically just like one day you get rid of anything that would be like a source of that i'm talking like you throw the jewel in the trash you take the trash out so you can't dig it out of the trash throw away all the pods or just smoke them all and then be done with them um I'm gonna we'll them all. but like you you better hide your shit i'm gonna take it and i'm gonna burn it <laughs> it's like the okay so like willpower is kind of a like you might agree it's it's like a a finite resource you have and you expend it throughout the day you know and yeah. so but if you don't actually have the thing around you you don't have to expend willpower to not smoke you just like physically can't it's like you reach for it and it's not there and you're like oh shit yeah i think, yeah. I think the thing that also, we're, just... we're missing out here is like you also have to have the desire to quit mm-hmm. yeah it sounds like you guys isn't, just like ripping jewels but isn't the lack of desire <laughs> the addiction though isn't that like that's the addiction and you're fooling yourself telling yourself that it's your choice but it's actually not because your brain has been rewired to want this thing isn't that what it is no i it does I just feel good the fact i'm addicted to it my kitty's being real cute Aww. come here that's boy like the hypnotism mm. thing where you get hypnotized and then they make you like hate nicotine and then you're like come to and you're like yeah i fucking hate nicotine <laughs> <laughs> grab this big boy real quick yeah sure first thing on here gender neutral baby names pretty cool underrated underrated There's some bangers out there already like kelly underrated travis yeah, girls named connor mm-hmm. jesse yeah it's underrated yeah i'd say underrated yeah definitely um having a designated jar for your cookies a cookie jar over underrated underrated i think that forces me to buy cookies so be like oh it's empty gotta get more cookies we can put other stuff in it no it's Mm -hmm. called the cookie jar it's designated the whole point's designated yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, you said designated i did say designated Overrated. I think all of them look stupid. No offense if there's viewers. Here. <laughs> yeah, like what? If it's not true to your culture, overrated. Oh yeah, yeah. Like a, a traditional face tat is pretty yeah. cool, but especially if fraudulent face tats. That shit fucks me up. I hate that. Wait, like, like people tats. draw them on. No, I mean like you know there are a lot of face tattoos that like symbolize stuff. Uh, I'm probably getting too deep, but you know like dudes who will tattoo a tear and what it might signify and they like to talk about all this meaning and i'm like i've known you since middle school like you haven't done any of that <laughs> so anyway stuff like that i think that they're all overrated except for if you were under your left eye were to get an infinity faith tattoo oh, true. That <laughs> that's pretty that's cool. the only acceptable one i in my opinion is that just another tattoo of your face on your face no and in, in infinity faith it's like the infinity sign but it has the word faith, so you like really love God. <laughs> he said infinity That's face so... tattoo. So I was imagining like an in picture of your face on your face. On your... <laughs> yeah, I just getting smaller and smaller. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to get 
I have this mole on my face, and I wanted to get a little dot tattooed on it just so I can say I have a face tattoo. <laughs> um, okay, the next thing was Jason put Exmos on here. Are we still talking about that? What is that? Ex- Underrated. Ex Mormon people? Yeah, ex Mormon. Yeah, that's Underrated. Uh, well, it really depends. So, this is something I've, I've this has become a, a big, big part of my life. I think for the most part, it depends on what stage of Exmo you are. Because initially, Exmo, it's like um, um, they're like behave like Amish people in Rumspringer, where like they go crazy, right? Because they've been deprived of all these joys in life for so long. Then once they get past that stage into the more like trying to find like what life has to offer in a, a mature way, that's when they're underrated. Overrated is the initial Exmo. Mormon culture is feelings out wickedly insane okay yeah well underrated. i think uh ex-mormonism is probably my favorite death grips album <laughs> but is it underrated yeah underrated for sure did he didn't he get arrested the other day mc red <laughs> we talked about this before <laughs> you came in wasn't him it wasn't him good <clears throat> i didn't look at video god bless um, oh my god, I saw that this morning. He was like in his Tesla, right? Yeah. Yeah, that blue Tesla. With like 14 cops or something. Yeah, yeah. Wasn't him. Fucking I cops. tattooed checked him. Tattoo checked him. That's legit. Yep. Next thing on the list is credit cards, the concept of credit. Oh, overrated. <laughs> I did this because I only got a credit score like September of last year because I didn't know what to do. Uh, but what I is it? What's your that credit score? I think it's like a fucked up system. Basically, it just punishes yeah. poor people in the long term. I still play the game because that's how it works. You have but... to. That's the thing. I tried to, like, not to. House. I was. I was all like, we. I just want a debit card, and that's it. I don't want to have credit cards. But then my mom was like. If you don't, oh my God! Ooh, hey, that's that good. Credit, credit score, credit score dude. Mine's only like seven twenty nine. I'm probably seven twenty nine. Anything north of seven twenty is basically like top tier, anyways. You get diminishing returns after that. So if you're seven hundred plus, you're sitting good. But I just bought a car and mine dropped to yeah, I think it was like seven oh five. Yeah. But also, I had to use my credit card actually to kind of buy myself some time here earlier this year after moving out here i had like this month-long period where i was working but hadn't gotten paid yet and i was like holy shit i just actually have to use my credit card like as a crutch mm-hmm. I've been mm-hmm. there. so i i but i also you know buying on margin and just credit in general has yeah like hank was saying like completely fucked the pork part of america time and time again throughout history so I'm conflicted. I think it can be used as a tool, but it's also something to be extremely weary of. Mm-hmm. I've I've had debt before, and like at the time, it feels like a lifesaver, and then in the future it kind of puts you in this hole that feels like impossible to get out of. And I actually didn't get out of it until I got a job that paid a lot more. So it's kind of like if you don't have the means to go up at all and get more money, you're kind of stuck forever. Mm-hmm. More money, more problem. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> All right, what do we got next? Tire swings? Underrated, overrated? Whoa. <laughs> That's quite a change hmm. of pace. I'm going to say 
I'm going to say overrated only because you can't jump off of them very easily. Yeah. You know how a normal swing, you can, like, fly off the front and do cool stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Tire swing is kind of like, you're in it for the long run. Oh, yeah, you go backwards, do a cool gainer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, th- I, would, I would actually agree with that. That's a really good point that I wouldn't have thought of if I was just thinking of a tire swing. Yeah, it's like, just make it a fucking seat. What are we? What well, are these okay. Tires? When you're when you're picturing this, are you picturing the tire flat and you're sitting in between it, or is the tire hanging by, like vertically? And yeah. You're sitting in it. Yeah. Oh, hanging, hanging like that. I was. I was thinking of the. Oh, okay. I was thinking of a vertical tire because you stick your legs through the hole, you know, and then you're swinging that way. That's how I've always seen it. Mm-hmm. It's like the single point at the top, though, so you can go 360. Like the swings you're talking about jumping off of they're perfect for jumping because they got like two connections but i feel like tire swings like strong argument for them is that single point for the people who want that 360 swinging experience <laughs> you know what i mean we had That's a so good funny. ass tire swing yeah. tire swing at a local park uh in my hometown and one of them big old fatties or whatever and that shit rocked it was awesome but mm-hmm. i didn't necessarily go to fatties. it thinking like i want to you know, oh, well, because we got them tractor tires just hanging out. <laughs> okay, I will uh, say, like, the big one that you can sit on with multiple people is pretty cool. That's, like, a social gathering mm-hmm. for kids. What about what about those, uh, not, like, the merry-go-rounds, but do you guys remember those things? It's, like, oh. when it has, like, the single point with, like, the bars that you hold yeah. on to and you see how fast <laughs> you can spin it. Oh, yeah, People yeah. would, like, put their moped tire up to it and get yes. it faster than they would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, what are those called? The carousels? Carousels. <laughs> nauseating underrated overrated mm-hmm. horribly nauseating um last thing on the list rubber bands underrated underrated yeah i'm kind of low on rubber bands kind of need more so i feel like that means i need them like i like them you know very versatile office tool yeah mm-hmm. i always need them tool. for uh for like kombucha because i like to brew my own you got to put like the cloth over it and then oh, you need yeah. a rubber band to like tighten it yeah. Yeah, I keep one on my wrist a lot. And when I put a rubber band on my wrist, it's on my wrist for like three months until it stretches out to the point of no return. Then it just falls off. But it's kind of stylish, honestly. Yeah. Having a rubber band on your wrist. People look at you like, edgy. what the fuck is that for? Huh? How long have you been wearing that? And I don't answer. Kind of fucking mysterious. <laughs> <laughs> that was a strategy I used to try to quit smoking for the first time, Karina. You put a rubber band on it every time you want to smoke. You snapped it. Mm-hmm. I think I read I read that in a like a youth fiction book when I was like twelve about this yeah. football player who was addicted to steroids. <laughs> didn't work. Again, this didn't have the didn't have the desire. Yeah. When you get addicted to steroids, that kind of sounds like like a thing you can't be addicted to. It's not like physically addictive. It just like makes you better at playing sports, right? Like, I'm addicted you know, to pre-ACT tests or something. Performance. I don't know. You know, so I've never actually been into the whole steroid game, if you can't right. tell. But yeah. I don't know. I feel like I feel like you could probably get addicted. Like, you can get mentally addicted to things that aren't physically addictive. That's Straight right. up. Yeah. Um, on rubber bands functionality, you can also use rubber bands to open up a little uh, jar. It's tough. Get some extra purchase on it. Oh, I didn't think of that. I've never thought of it. It's really good. Or, Connor, if you got like an old tire tube, just like cut up the tire tube, and that makes super good 
like rubber grips to take off jars. Yeah, that's good to know. I'd be opening jars sometimes. <laughs> or you can just, you know, have a kid and then you'll never have the issue again because you will be rewarded with your dad's strength. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Children is how you, yeah, it's how you open up cans and, and bottles. Interesting. You get upgraded to dad's strength. <laughs> like a Pokemon, yeah. Okay, that's all the over-unders. Do we want to kank? Did you have like any anything? Well, you um, did you guys get to talk about some of Jonah's research and stuff? Yeah. The last time I talked to Jonah, you guys did already talk about it? No, we haven't. No, we're waiting for you. Oh, very cool. Well, yeah, Jonah, I don't know if you remember, we had a great conversation over a beer maybe a year or two ago in Ames. You were telling me about some yeah. of the stuff you were working on, and I was just like, this is tight. You're telling me about going to the National Archives and stuff. So I don't know, man. Do you like sharing some of that? Yeah, where were we? We were at the place over on Main Street, started, started with a T, Torrent? Yeah. Yeah. The new brewery. Yeah, no. Yeah, we talked for like an hour that night. So I was, so I tried to pull up that paper and reread it. I ended up finishing it to a point. And then um, from what I was telling you guys earlier in college, I was super into be like booze. And I, like, I still think that alcohol is like an art form um, as well as like a drug. Uh, but it's one of those things where like throughout American history, it's been used and abused in a variety of different ways. Um, and I got kind of into this when I was TAing the wine and spirits class at Iowa State. Um, like I wrote the history portion of that class and then like did all the research for that. And I was like, wow, if you, and I was a history major. So I was like, you know, anytime you, <clears throat> you look at history, you look through like history as a lens. Um, so I started looking at history, like through the lens of alcohol. So like what was going on with alcohol at this point, how was society like treating it? Um, and then like, how was it being used and abused during this time period? And then I took a class where the theme was uh, slavery and we were writing like our undergraduate thesis over our final year on um, different aspects of slavery. So a lot of people did like slave trade. Some people did like music during slavery. And I really got really into looking at how alcohol was being used during slavery. So I wrote my paper on um, how alcohol was used as like a tool of manipulation by slaveholders, like against slaves uh throughout that point in american history um and then you know that kind of led originally for me like looking at like whiskey debts um just alcohol and plantations as like a form of uh, medicinal treatment uh that slaves are using to like experience you know this incredible trauma that they were this generational trauma at the time when you get into like the later years of slavery um, and then that led into like, you know, modern day uh, manipulation from sources of power in like black communities across America. Um, and I guess my paper mainly focused on how slaveholders would manipulate by like oppression or also like forms of reward alcohol, um, whether that be like when they were separating a family through like a slave deal. Uh, they would take like certain parts of the family member out on like a whiskey debt where they would essentially get them like blackout drunk. And then when they came out of this like aggressive blackout, their children would be gone or like their spouse would be gone or parts of their family would be gone. Or when uh, like slave fighting was a big form of entertainment 
um, by like certain slaveholders. So they would use whiskey as like a lubrication to like get these slaves to be able to fight to the death. Um, then there was like the issue of clean water. So like hot water became a really big thing to get slaves to be like working longer in fields, working longer on whatever task that they were doing, where they would essentially just give them like very watered down whiskey um, and then call it hot water, uh, whiskey debts to like get through like the triangle trade. Um, got a little bit into like the rum aspect in America where you start getting into like how indigo was being traded for rum and then that rum was being made by the sugarcane that we took as part as like the second stop um we would then take that rum to england sell that in, that rum in england for more money to then go purchase more slaves to then sell those trades or those slaves for uh, more sugarcane and then that sugarcane would be brought back up to make more rum and then just like the aggressive aggressive binge drinking that's been going on in america since the original colonizers so that's like the overall summary. And then if you know you guys have questions on that, I I spent a ton of time reading and writing reading and writing about it. And the one thing that I, I think I talked to Hank about in a lot of detail was uh, going into like the Library of Congress and the WPA slave narratives, which was this project that came about, I think in like the late eighteen hundreds, um, where they recorded and documented a bunch of um, like firsthand experiences of slaves. Uh, and then going through those and finding specifically like alcohol related stories, um, anything from like ab abuse post civil war to stuff like I was talking about earlier with like the separation of families and yeah, just how fucked up America is and how fucked up white people are and when they're in a position of power and then how substances can be used to promote the agenda of the people in power and oppress the victims of those people in power. Um, what I was going to say is I think it's interesting that your research there brought you to the slave narratives um, because before I knew those existed, I, I was always interested in like what primary source type documents there were um, because of systems of oppression, because of lack of literacy for people who were enslaved, all these sorts of things. Primary documents are like super hard to find. Um, but like the slave narratives project, I have always found to be just incredibly enlightening. Um, <clears throat> I'm Jewish, my lineage is slaves, but there's also not documents from them talking about slavery. So I have a really hard time, like kind of just reading about what it was like from a firsthand perspective. And I think those narratives are like invaluable, but how many people even well, know about them? Yeah. And then like, really when it comes to any sort any sort of like document i mean this brings us back to what we were talking or talking about earlier uh like determining credibility with any sort of like document regarding slavery too because i like originally started doing a bunch of research with primary sources from like newspapers at the time right and then you think about who's writing these newspapers and it sure as hell isn't the slaves you get into like a lot of unique stories like the first personal narrative i got into was like like frederick Douglass writes about it and, and like his uh big thing was like celebrations on the plantation, like for Christmas, um, whiskey would be awarded, but it was never like a thing where you could enjoy it on your own accord. Um, that was a huge first form of manipulation. Like slaveholders would never be like, okay, yeah, like have, you know, you guys can have a few drinks and 
like hang out, talk to your friends and like go to sleep. It wasn't that it was, if you're drinking, you're going to be belligerently drunk so that we can record this and like laugh at your expense, humor ourselves at your expense. Nothing was ever ingested or rewarded without, with slaves in mind, obviously it was always our slaves being used as a form of entertainment or a tool for their masters and owners, you know? Yeah. It just, it, it, it's something that still hasn't stopped to this day. Like, I mean, this is just, it's, it's a part of society that has never really been recommended or addressed. Um, Netflix just came out with a documentary on like crack cocaine and like how that was like specifically injected into like, you know, communities of color and like inner cities and the like theory behind it being like, well, this was the people in power recognizing that, maybe these communities were becoming a little too affluent and then breaking that down. So that's why I think like alcohol is really an art form that is also, it can be an art form, but it also is one of the most horrific things that's ever happened to human society. I think crack is a very apt comparison for how it's happening now. Cause you've got like George HW Bush in the war on drugs and he bought crack cocaine in front of the white house and like years later, it'd be revealed that someone in his administration basically just made all that up. <laughs> um, and how he was saying like crack is this bad problem. It makes people into criminals. It makes people into bad parents. And uh, it's been used to justify stuff like stop and frisk and stuff that like actually harms people's lives, forces all this control onto them. And they didn't even want it in the first place, you know, like they didn't ask for that, but uh, it's been forced onto them, which is like, fucked up that we're still applying these systems that were in place hundreds of years ago in the slave trade like Jonah was talking about in his research still happening today in our lifetimes and our parents lifetimes they're just not slaveholders anymore and it's such a it's been since the very beginning alcohol has been such an integral part of this series of oppression for since the beginning and it's something that people I guess don't really talk about and for the variety majority of reasons because everyone not everyone but people love alcohol and it's always just how you use it or how you abuse it that determines your relationship with it but when you don't have that control to make those decisions yourself is when it becomes a tool of manipulation and a tool of being able to control groups of people yeah growing up growing up in like a tight-knit group of friends and like you're just like oh let's just go get shitty blackout whatever just seems like such a safe thing to do and you don't think of any consequences or how it was used in the past I mean if if you if you didn't learn about it then you're not really going to think about how it's used um in in a negative light I mean maybe some people the most negative thing about alcohol is just the hangover the next day and that's all they know about drinking and things like that so it's, so it's interesting to hear about these these points that show alcohol as such a monster in American history. And the trauma that it, it invokes on people. And Jason, you were talking about history and awareness earlier, and even some of that was in your last point. And it's interesting that each state is left with a different <clears throat> sort of legislative legacy 
of its past with alcohol, such that Minnesota only a few years ago started selling alcohol on Sundays. And still to this day, if you go to that Trader Joe's, you're gonna have to go to a different walled off part of that building to buy your alcohol. Joan, if I'm not mistaken in Utah, I seem to remember that they can't mix drinks in front of the people they serve them to. Something yeah, like that. Only, the, the LDS church has had a crazy, crazy, crazy crease. And this year, actually, we just finally passed with, in November a uh, uh, rewording of our state constitution that actually made slavery ex explicitly illegal. It wasn't until 2020 um, in Utah. Utah is backwards in a variety of different ways, but you also, you can't order like, uh, you can't get a fishbowl margarita here. You can only have, you can have two drinks in front of you if they're of different spirits. So you can buy a beer and a shot, but you can't buy a double shot or, what? and it wasn't until like two or three years ago, I think Utah came along the year after Colorado where now you can get a 5% beer at like grocery stores. It was always three, two and all draft beer in Utah has to be 5%. So you mm -hmm. can't like go to a brewery and get like a, you know, a stout that's a 12% off tap. It has to be canned or bottled. And I think if in any state, if you look at the legislative origin of some of that stuff, it's just like rooted in some really weird parts of our history that each state kind of figured out on its own because there's I think there's those like dry counties which is interesting because those people literally just like leave to go to the next county to buy their alcohol and stuff and then like come right back with it but even Karina's like reaction like oh wow like what basically whenever I hear about someone's you know from a state I've never met before and they're like talking about alcohol there there's always something like that for me where I'm like really that's how y'all do it um, I remember it was such a shock when I moved to Iowa and I could just like get alcohol at the gas station that was a huge one for me of like which who knows if that's correct <laughs> like socially responsible but um yeah minnesota has some weird laws especially because it used to be um like during prohibition it was a vacation spot for a lot of chicago gangsters um the town i grew up in has like a former speakeasy that's now a popular bar so I think that's where a lot of the legislation comes with. They cracked down on it more because it was tied to organized crime in Minnesota. Yeah, I think there's a flaw with it just because if you want to get drunk and they only sell 3.2% beer, you're just going to drink eight 3.2% beers or more, depending on how drunk you want to get. So it's like if you have 12% stouts, you're just going to drink two of those, get drunk, be like, yeah, I'm drunk. So like no matter the percentage of what they're selling, like you're going to get drunk either way if you want to get drunk um why not make the 12 percent and you're just going to drink less i mean it doesn't really make but sense if you, if you really want to get drunk you're going to get drunk no matter what yeah. the thing is about utah now i guess is you can still go out to a bar and get belligerently drunk super easily um but you just have to like kind of do these weird little like avoid these little like speed bumps essentially it's just a way to attempt to uh, take away the control from the consumer um, because Sleva, like back to your, well, you can drink 12 or eight, whatever, 3.2s, right? It's a lot more tedious to do that than to drink the two 12% stouts. And then what's really blocking you from drinking that third. So it's just like the government's way of trying to like, be like, well, we're making the decisions for people to be responsible in this one. And it's like the legislation is in place to help the people that are drinking but in reality it's just a way for them to really be able to control what you can and can't do people are going to make their decisions regardless of the legislation 
you just break it down to like pot is like the easiest example. Weed's illegal everywhere. Guess what? People are smoking weed everywhere. It's just giving people, it's just a way, it's another form of oppression. Like it just came out the report this year, the Times just published yesterday that like 80% in 2020 of the people who were arrested, arrested for marijuana related offenses were brown and black Americans. And white people, brown and black people are smoking weed at the same rate, but it's extremely disproportional of who's getting punished. And it's all just a way to really like fucking keep people in their place in society. And that's, that's how any substance has been historically used. And in my opinion, and what I learned specifically from that, from that paper and that project was people like people in power, like to be in power and they'll use whatever means necessary to stay there. And there's like a problem inherent to prohibition, which is like, it, there's just going to be an arbitrary line because states decide different stuff. 3.2, maybe it's 2.9. It's all arbitrary. It's just a, decided by the members of the chamber of your state legislature, and they're going to talk about it and say, this is that. But Jace brings up an excellent point, because right now in Colorado, a state rep is thinking about introducing legislation to put a cap on THC percentage. Um, and they're like, oh, yeah, it's all this, you know, it's bad. It's like warping people's minds. Zero mention of like, what the fuck dabs do to our fucking brains. So these people are like, yeah, we got to put a cap on THC. That's really doing it. I'm like, people are doing whippets. People are doing fucking whippets right now to their brain. Like, but, you know, it's the zeitgeist. Weed is the zeitgeist. So we got to, you know, we got to put a cap on it. It's arbitrary. What do they decide? 28%, 30%? I don't even know if they could tell you what the clinical difference in that is. So I feel like uh, prohibition just inherently is flawed. Um, it's all going to be arbitrary. It's going to be based on what your municipality decides or your locality, whatever. Um, and we see it now. Jason gets shit-faced in Kansas City, Missouri. If he goes over to Kansas, he might have to face different rules. He literally is just moving like 20 feet west or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> we all just need to move off the grid and like make our own moonshine in the woods and just like no credit score. <laughs> you know, I've been smoking that mugwort. Mugwort. Have any of you ever made alcohol? Yeah. Uh, no. I uh I brewed it in high school in my closet <laughs> because I don't know, like what else is there to do? Yeah. I saw a TikTok about that the other day. Yep. <laughs> brewing alcohols or brewing or distilling is kind of where uh that gets back to like what I was talking about earlier with like the art form. Because it's it's remarkable how like you can break down the chemistry behind all of it and really like manipulate this this natural reaction into such an enjoyable or unenjoyable project product right mm -hmm. like the the distilling process for like kettle one vodka and Everclear is pretty fucking similar but you're gonna enjoy one way more than the other and they're gonna end up doing the same thing to you and by that I mean like Everclear is gonna kill you and kettle one's gonna give you like a nice dirty martini. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's end it there okay. good yeah all, all right, right guys thanks for having me that was cool yeah thanks for hopping on that was mm -hmm. fun and interesting um i'm gonna head out i have been trying to get outside today so i'm gonna go to a park or something okay nice. hope your tummy feels better oh yeah. it's all good now i'm feeling better i okay, just good. you know that children's beer <laughs> Okay. Bye, guys. See you guys. See you guys.